Hi, I'm Andrew. I'm Kirsten. And this is Most Foul Mini. Mini episode four! Woo! So excited. I am too. So, I mean, we've talked about this already, but for the sake of the listener. Yes. People actually wrote in. Yay! This is what we wanted. I mean, we just know that there are so many amazing stories out there. Um, And just because we have taken the time to make a podcast, we don't think that it should be all our stories and our voices. And we want to hear from listeners. So it's really exciting that we have some we have some submissions this week. So yeah, listener, if you haven't listened to other inciting incidents, well, I guess they've been different. We've had some interviews with folks as we've been trying to get some stories sent to us so we could start reading your stories on the podcast. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're not one of the folks who have already emailed in, please send us your inciting incidents. We love to read them. They're so cool. And then we also, you know, need them to make more mini episodes. So there's a form on our website, Mm mostfowlpod.com. You could go to the inciting incidents and send it that way. Or you could just email us your story at mostfowlpod at gmail.com. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Gratefully received. We're doing discounts in the merch store, yeah? Yes. Yes. So when you submit, there's a little area where you can give us your email address and... If we use your story, we will send you a discount code and you can get lots of most foul merch. It's really cool stuff. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we end every episode with we appreciate the hell out of you, but we really do. And we are so looking forward to reading your stories. Absolutely. So do you want to, should we just jump right in? I think we should. I can't wait. Okay. So the first email comes from Jennifer T. Oh, and if you're worried about it on the web form or in your email, there's a spot to say what you want to be called. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to put your real name. Um, so, yeah, just send them in. Exactly. <laughs> but this one comes from Jennifer T. So, my foray into the true crime world was from pop culture. My favorite author as a teenager was Mary Higgins Clark, queen of suspense. She had a unique way of sucking you into her stories. The first book I read of hers was Love's Music, Loves to Dance, in which a serial killer targets his victims through an ad in the personal columns of a newspaper. It's a recycled plot point through tons of mystery shows and reads. There are even updated versions where serial killers use dating sites to find their victims. I'm pretty sure I saw a psych episode like that. It all comes from the real-life Lonely Heart killers from the 40s. The most exciting part of Mary Higgins Clark's books is that you get to see moments through the killer's eyes. You get just a glimmer at what he sees and, more importantly, what he wants to see about the world around him. I think that's what was so intriguing about true crime and why it so often becomes topics of pop culture. We want to see the world through the eyes of those who have done atrocious things. We want to understand why. As humans, we all have a darker side, even just a shade darker, and we want to understand how that works in us. My God. Yeah, so true. Thank you, Jennifer T. Um, So I know Mary Higgins Clark. I haven't read, I think I've only read one of her books. So I know of her, but I haven't read anything by her. But now I think that I might. Me too. Like it's, I haven't even thought of her in years, but it's like, why not go into a mystery? I mean, she was very famous. 
And I love how Jennifer just dove right into the deep end. It's it's no like getting her toes wet is like straight to the serial killer adult novels. <laughs> Well, and yeah, I mean, there's something, the way she talked about it, like seeing through the eyes of the killer, trying to understand even the slightly light gray in us. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. And then the thing that hit me on this one was the dating sites to find their victims as someone on dating apps. (laughs) I'm like, you are telling me. It's like, how do I make sure these freaks are not murderers? Seriously. But I think the thing that's really interesting here, too, is like it aligns with how we talk about things so well because she ties it back to the Lonely Heart Killers from the 40s. And so much of what we find is that these themes are older than we realize initially. Mm -hmm. So incredible. And now I want to go do a deep dive on Lonely Heart Killers from the 40s. Oh, well, yeah. Reading that, it's like, oh, future episode idea. Yeah, totally, totally. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But, I mean, you know, it just speaks to the fact that people are people, right? And human motivations remain the same, over time is like, you know, jealousy and all the things that motivate people to do fucked up stuff. And even even some of the more like senseless stuff that's related to sadism and just like genuinely fucked up people. That also is a tale as old as time, unfortunately. Well, and what I'm finding really cool about this is kind of like th- this interesting idea that we've been talking about, like in our own selves of like. The step into true crime isn't always a crime. Mm-hmm. For a lot of us, it's when we're younger, and it's books and mm-hmm. movies and TV shows. So, like, this Mary Higgins Clark, in that similar way to your Death on the Nile, to my Canterville Ghost, to Liz's, uh, well, that was the case with her mom, but then also the cartoon mice. <laughs> And then you have your mom as the opposite version yeah. of a, a real-life event, like, there's not just one thing that's like, oh, well, clearly this thing happens and then you're into true crime. It's like it can come from all of these sources. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And it can play out in so many different ways. Pop culture. But yeah, I don't know. It's just it's endlessly fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. And then the even more meta version is that the fictional thing that inspired us was inspired by a real true crime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, totally. Which oftentimes, I mean, the, the cycle, you know, it goes around and round. Going back to ancient times, a lot of these crimes or things that we talk about have parallels in ancient times. And so they're not directly related, but certainly like a more modern crime might have been inspired in some small way by something that happened a long time ago. I mean, even you go to the Bible, like biblical stories, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's, yeah, it's part of human nature. It's so fundamental, I think, to the human experience, unfortunately. And I I won't hound this forever, but listeners, we really do want to hear your story. We're so fascinated by it. And so hopefully this is enough of a glimpse already to see, like, it can be anything. You don't have to have some, like, incredible harrowing tale like anything we, we're just so interested so yeah. please do send them to us absolutely and we're never gonna stop harping on it <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm gonna read the next one hi kirsten and andrew i'm loving the podcast so far it's quickly becoming one of my faves 
Thank you. Uh-huh. I've been into true crime forever, and it's been interesting thinking about what what it was that got me hooked to write in. There were a smattering of spooky shows like Are You Afraid of the Dark and Tales from the Crypt that helped my, that helped inform my personality. But I think the thing that really got me was the book Lord of the Flies. I read that in the seventh grade, and that book blew my mind. It was by far the most complex and dark book I'd read up until that point. As a kid myself, the look at the loss of humanity when you take away the rules of society turned something on in my mind. Since then, I've been obsessed with the psychology of what drives people to kill. And thus, a true crime junkie was born. Yay! I listened to tons of podcasts and watched all of the documentaries. I think it was Andrew that mentioned In Cold Blood, and that was another book that imprinted on me forever. I'd never read a book like that, and I even slept with a knife by my bed for a really long time. (laughs) Anyway, thanks again for the podcast. I hope you read my inciting incident. I can't wait for future episodes. Your listener from Michigan, Zachary H. Aww. Yay, thank you, Zachary. Oh my gosh, we're so happy. And this is incredible. I mean, talk about like making a mark on your psyche early on. Well, yeah, like I feel like I can guesstimate this. I mean, not like a carnival game, but based on <laughs> Are You Afraid of the Dark? I'm like, okay, millennial. <laughs> you get a sense of who we're talking about here. Oh gosh. So yeah, like, well, are you afraid of the dark scared the shit out of me as a kid but it's because i had older siblings so i watched it like probably too young Mm, see that one's after my time but tales from the crypt i for sure remember and was definitely i mean just the intro scared the shit out of me right (laughs) the crypt creep the crypt keeper is probably so stupid looking to our eyes now i know right it was so scary it was so scary (laughs) But Lord of the Flies, I mean, I feel like that one is just, it feels a little unexpected to me, but also so right, you know, in terms of thinking about that psychology. Oh, yeah. I don't remember what grade we read this in, but yeah, I mean, R.I.P. Piggy, like, for real. Yeah. What an incredible book. But yeah, like, that sort of, even to what Jennifer said, like... This look into the psyche of what happens, I feel like Lord of the Flies sort of goes in that same vein of, like, what happens when you take away the rules. Right. Yeah. Totally. And I think that setting up a scenario like that helps people who do have empathy kind of get into a mindset that's more close to what a psychopath probably has. Um, you, you, you know, you take this extreme situation And I think it makes it easier for people to slip mentally into that place, Mm -hmm. which can be hard to access just in day-to-day life. This this is a side story, but there was a really, really great article in The Guardian about a real-life Lord of the Flies scenario. I don't Uh, know if you remember this. I think I read about it, yeah. It was a series... It was these boys that basically stole a boat and were trying to... They're just bored, <laughs> figuring it out. And they were trying to boat, I think, to New Zealand, which was, like, really far from their island. And they shipwrecked. And they were stuck on this, what was considered to be an uninhabitable island for, like, 15 months. Oh, my God. And the book did not happen. The boys, like, 
created their own little island society. They, like, found chickens and, like, (laughs) built cages and pens to keep the chickens. They set up these systems where everyone would be on shifts two at a time for, like, guard duty and chores. And if they ever had, like, arguments and tensions were running high, they would each go into timeout. Oh, my God. So instead of Lord of the Flies, it's like Swiss Family Robinson. <laughs> yeah, they really, they kept themselves alive and held. I mean, when they were discovered, they're all like muscly. <laughs> like, <laughs> they like kept it together. So like, sorry for the long anecdote listener, but I, I came across this article recently from another podcast. Like this is such kismet. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, like, that's an interesting, like, I, I feel like Lord of the Fly is imprinted on me, too, as a kid when I read it. But, like, mm-hmm. the reality version, it's nice to know that, at least in this one scenario, the boys really thrived as far as you can while being trapped on an uninhabited <laughs> island. <laughs> that is so interesting. Well, And, and I they're think friends, it- too. They, they stayed friends. And then the guy who rescued them ended up like buying a boat and then hiring all of them to be his crew. Oh my gosh. I that mean, needs to be a movie. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of is like a real life version of those memes. Like if you were shipwrecked, like which of your Facebook friends would you want to be with? And then you pick like the top three people in your friend list or whatever. But that's like real. So if you were to be shipwrecked with anyone, who would you choose? And it's it's totally those kids, right? So I can understand why he would want to have a crew entirely of those kids. I just remembered one of the boys broke his leg and they like helped set his leg with tree branches and ropes that they made to tie around and his like leg healed pretty well. Like these boys figured it out. That's amazing. Could we get them to run the United States? (laughs) We need somebody. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I'm looking at the letter again. Oh, yeah. Well, I talked about it on mine, but in cold blood. I mean. So I have a confession. I've seen the movie, but I never read the book. You must read it. I know. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the movie was creepy as all get out, just the movie. So I can't imagine, like, I find books so much more scary than movies. Um, So I can't imagine. Well, and I totally get the knife thing. Like, okay, sorry, this is going to go into some sort of political realm. But when I finished In Cold Blood, my immediate thought was, I need to be a gun owner. Mm-hmm. Like, when I own a home, I need to be a gun owner. Yeah, I think that is a pretty natural conclusion. Well, you and I both, you know, grew up in rural areas. So I I lived in town, but I could very much put myself, you know, I knew lots of people who lived out in the boonies with, you know, you could scream your lungs out and there was no one to hear you scream. And Uh, you actually lived that. So I, I think... You know, that story, being able to imagine yourself in a situation like I remember a couple of times that I babysat and is like no neighbors for miles. And yeah, I think I babysat once (laughs) and then I was like, hell no. (laughs) But that's how scary the book was. I like I don't I I don't own a gun, but like I finished it and I was like, must have gun. (laughs) Mm hmm. 
It's yeah. so scary. And I mean, obviously like a little bit lighthearted take on it. And like, I do understand the statistics of like pulling a gun in a home invasion makes you more likely to die. Like I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but just to illustrate, like, so I, I, I understand and empathize with like having a knife by your bed. Cause my immediate thought when I finished reading it was gun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just like very scared as a kid all the time for various reasons that are like another podcast. <laughs> um, so I often slept with a knife by my bed and I mean, it helps you feel empowered and especially, you know, seventh grade, like it's young, you know, you're a young kid, you don't feel empowered. Like you have this fear, you're starting to feel some kind of agency, but not, not necessarily like the power to really act on or protect yourself from all these fears that you're becoming aware of. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Thank you, Zachary. You are so sweet. Yeah. And also, simply say for you listening, this would be a perfect place for an ad for home security. So <laughs> totally. give us the money. You don't need a knife. Just get Simply Safe. <laughs> I too was afraid until I got my Simply Safe. <laughs> <laughs> and true story, when the kids were little, and I think my hormones were still all over the place, I used to get really nervous when my husband would go on business trips. And I would sleep with my Simply Safe app open so that I could hit like the panic button if I needed to in the middle of the night. So, Simply Safe, call us. Yeah, we want that money. <laughs> All right, we have one more today. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcast. That really affects the algorithm and helps people find the show. Plus, if you write a review and give us five stars, we'll read it on the podcast. And who doesn't want that? Okay. Um, hi. True crime hit me really hard when news of the Golden State Killer was captured. Mm. Once I found out he resided within two, yes, two miles of where I lived at the time, Ugh. I was floored. I didn't know who he was, but when I saw the news explode over it, I had to do my research. I listened to podcasts, watched documentaries, read about it. To say I was shook was an understatement. Sure, he had been quiet for decades, but that didn't keep my head from running amok. Mm. Could I have passed him in the Walmart between us? Served him coffee at the Starbucks I worked at around the corner? He literally was hidden in plain sight, and that fact kept me up for months. Would love to hear you guys cover this, even if it's a topic that's been discussed at length. It's the dishes rattling on people's backs for me. Dot, 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 Amanda. Uh, Amanda. Totally. I mean, it's weird how those little human touches are the things that just, like, send chills down your spine. Two miles. Yeah. I'm, I'm, like, having all kinds of feels right now because, you know, both of us lived not too far from where, I mean, not two miles, but we lived in that part of the world not too far. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I can't imagine living two miles away because even living an hour away, I was thinking, did we cross paths? Who was this guy? Like, you know, just, yeah, your mind goes crazy with possibilities. Yeah. Like that's nuts. It <laughs> is nuts. <laughs> and I mean, we could talk about the Golden State Killer all day, I I think. I, and we'll cover it at some point. It's hard because our format is very 
specific the way that we envisioned it in terms of like impact on culture. And he has had some impact, but you know, it was just discovered recently. So it doesn't totally fit, but I mean, there's so much to talk about there. I mean, I'll be gone in the dark, the book and the mini series I watched. Yeah. And read. I mean, incredible, incredible, incredible. Yeah, that it's just such a scary one to go hidden for so long. The fact that we still don't know if there are other crimes that are not attributed to him that he was responsible for. And I've heard theories that other out-of-state serial killings could potentially be tied to him. I mean, uh, he's just a whole, he's a whole chapter of a book. Did you see the video of him? Did you see the prison videos? From inside of his cell. Mm-mm. Ugh. So I obsessed, because like you said, I still live very close. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'll Be Gone in the Dark had already gotten me. <clears throat> and then as the news was breaking, I was like, I can't believe any of this. Yeah. Um. So, of course, it's like the Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein bullshit of, like, wheelchairs and walkers. Yeah. And feigned fragility. And mm-hmm. so he was doing that whole act. And so the local news then showed video from the prison where he was, like, climbing around the cell, so physically active. Because he's old. I mean, he's in his 70s. But yeah. he was, like, moving around no problem at all. No assistance. He was, like, up over the lights, which, like, freaked me out because of his whole thing with lights. Yeah. No, I never saw that. Holy shit. It was so creepy because you get, like, the <clears throat> the dead stare, the dead eyes of his, like, testimony and stuff. Yeah. And then to see him, like, physically prowling around his cell Ugh. was, like, chills, horrifying. Yeah. And I'll never forget from from the series the interview, I think, with his niece mm. or his daughter. Where I think she, it was his niece. Where she, she was talking about how she just woke up one night and he was in her bedroom and she figured out later that it was him coming back from, from a rape or something and hiding out in her bedroom. And, uh, yeah, just to think of like watching her kind of processing that in the moment, this difference between this guy who she thought that she knew as her uncle and protector and, nice guy and then like he just switches and he's this other creature um Mm -hmm. but that's what it feels like in the cell is like they're so good at that act that even if you don't buy the wheelchair bullshit like you see him and he still looks kind of feeble and like you know and then to see him in this other mode that he still has is so creepy and yeah similar to amanda like Not that I live that close, but it's just, like, that reminder that anyone in a grocery store can be, like, a serial killer. Yeah. They're among us. I have a really stupid story. (laughs) Let's hear Um, it. So I worked retail a very long time. So, like, as a teenager growing up. Up And then into my career, I had, like, a past career and, like, retail area management. But anyway, I was working in a store once with my best friend. This is not... By the way, I'm interjecting before you get going. This is not a silly story. Like, this story haunts me. I think about this story just from time to time in my life. 
and I I cannot explain what happened. I was like bent down organizing a drawer, and this guy came into the store, normal basic white dude, middle aged dish, nothing weird about him, and every single impulse in my body was screaming like flight, like fight or flight. I had a pit in my stomach, the hair on the back of my neck, and everything in my intuition was like, you got to get out of here. And so I was just like, I was already dealing with something and I was bent down and my friend went to help him. And I like noticed peripherally that he was basically giving like really shitty customer service. (laughs) And I was like, well, that's not like him. He's a really good employee. And so the guy wasn't in there that long and he bought like a $20 something and left. I finished what I was doing and I turned to my friend and I'm like, dude, and he cut me off and he was like, I don't know what just happened, but this is the worst I've ever felt in my life. He said Uh, to me. Right. And I was like, oh, my God. And, and, you know, it's like, you know, you want to believe your friends or whatever. But if, if he hadn't cut me off, if I said it and then he was like, oh, my God, that happened to me, I would have believed him. But the fact that he cut me off and said it. And it was my same feelings. Like, I know 100% that we both experienced that without right. talking to each other. Right. And it's it's just stuck with me this whole time. And, you know, it could have been anything. And, like, I don't know. I, I can sort of get into the supernatural realm of thought. I, I'm kind of agnostic. Things could be true. Things couldn't. Or it's like, was there a pheromone of some kind? Was it electrical brain energy? But this boring regular white dude sent both of us into fight or flight feelings for no reason. I'm telling you, you told this story to me once, like four years ago. I think about it all the time. I've repeated this story to other people because it made such an impression (laughs) on me. But, you know, part of me wonders, you can never know, like if this guy was some kind of you know, serial killer and you guys picked up on some intuition, you know, I mean, intuition is just perceptions that you don't know where they come from. Right. And you picked up on something Mm -hmm. and how many people have had that same experience, but like didn't live to tell the tale. So it's like to have the confirming information that your intuition was correct, you would basically have to be dead because he would have attacked you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it just, it creeps me the fuck out. (laughs) It's one of the weirdest experiences of my life. Unexplained, don't have any idea why or how. It has never happened before or since, but it happened to both of us. It's so interesting. And, you know, just supposition, that was right next to a major freeway connected to, like, less than an hour drive to multiple states, like... right. So if I were to put on a serial killer lens to it. Right. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. I think about that all the time. He and I still talk about it. It's one of the weirdest things that's ever happened to me. I feel like it's almost my story. <laughs> I've internalized it. <laughs> it. But it's so interesting. And I do think that in true crime, the true crime genre, and also just mystery and crime fiction even... There is a theme of being able to tell and and the duplicity and and the the act that people put on and psychopaths are known for being really good at that act. 
But also, I think when they turn it off and people talk about that emptiness, like looking into eyes and it's like there's nothing behind them, I find that so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't want to meet a psychopath on the street or anything, but I am very interested in what that experience is like when you're looking into that abyss, you know? Totally. Uh, this is incredible. I mean, I feel like in California, a lot of people have a Golden State Killer story, kind of, or some kind of passing knowledge of it or intersections with it. But living within two miles, I mean, that ugh, that's crazy. Yeah, that's the thing that stays in your skin. Yeah. Because we all... We all have these, like, mental compartmentalizations, even something as simple as driving. Like, mm-hmm. we have to turn off a piece of our brain as to how risky it actually is. Yeah. To the point where we basically drive on autopilot. Mm-hmm. And so we, like, live our lives in that same way because it would be, you couldn't live a real life if you were thinking every stranger you meet could be a psychopath. But it is such tell, that reminder. I can tell you that I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> But it really is that reminder, like, when something, like, snaps you out of it. Like, so for Amanda, with it, I mean, being so close yeah. to where he lived, it's like, oh, my God, I had a false sense of, like, it shatters that illusion. Right. And, I mean, someone who lives within two miles, she's probably driven by his house a million times, you know, just in the course of mm-hmm. your everyday stuff. And so it's like, oh, my God, I passed him in his yard or, yeah, it's... So scary. Thank you, Amanda, for sharing this truly frightening, <laughs> inciting incident. Again, thank you so much. I said I'm not going to make a plug, so we've I've enlisted the help of some special friends to try to convince you all to write yes. your stories to us. Yes. <laughs> Welcome, special friends. Hi there. We really think you should be on our mom's podcast. All you have to do is send your story to mostfowlpodgmail.com. So close. <laughs> <gasps> we're kids and we're on the podcast, so you have no excuse. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> well, this has been a great kind of change from our previous mini episodes and we hope to get lots and lots of submissions from you listeners but in the meantime we appreciate the hell out of you 100 percent never miss a foul detail follow us at most foul pod on instagram facebook and twitter and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts this has been a facts from janet production